Thank you for joining us and listening to this message from the Ministry of Grace Providence Church in Cerritos, California. For more information, visit our website at www.graceprovidencechurch.org. Thank you for coming, and uh, we have uh, one brother, one sister that come to visit us. Thank you very much for being here today on this very important topic, as you can see, suffering. The entire Bible, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, is full of verses that talk about suffering. It was important, and it's still very important to address suffering the proper way, just because Suffering, there is, on the human experience, nobody will walk away from suffer physically, emotionally, spiritually, and we all go through it. The important thing in all of this is that we understand, because our perspective is different than the world out there. And that's what we wanted to focus the study. So before we go into our reading, um, we're going to ask the Lord to give us the wisdom to understand and the wisdom for me to speak the words that needed to be said for us to get into this topic without failing the purpose of God. So as you can see on the screen, we have two verses that we are going to be talking about, and we're going to weave them together so that we... um, come with some kind of like precise way to understand the purpose of God in suffering. Although the title in that is the purpose of suffering. But in reality, it should be that the purpose of God in suffering. Because he has a purpose. We understand that as Christians. But how do we say that to a non-believer, to someone that, to start with, say, if God exists, Then, why is he allowing all of this suffering on the world? If there is a lot of suffering, then God doesn't exist. Because if God is good, then it shouldn't be suffering. So this is not only meant for us as Christians, but also for people that do not have that understanding. So that we take them to the point of realizing that evil exists. And suffering exists because of God's will. It's not that God created evil and the source of evil is God. We do not want it to get confused on that. We want it to start with that. So we're going to read Romans, Romans 5, verses 3 to 5, and we're going to read from the NLT. And it says, verse 3, we can rejoice too. When we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops the strength of character. And character strengthens our confidence, hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead us to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us. Because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. And I will also read. And um, 
and a small section of the same passage on the ESV that will simplify a lot of things and will make us understand um, a, a sequence of things that have to follow. And we're going to get into that. ESV. Suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope will not put us to shame. It sounds very simple. But it's not always and for everybody the same. Unfortunately, for non-believers and for those that say that God doesn't exist and don't believe in the God that we believe in Yahweh, this sequence will be broken. And I will tell you when we get to that point. Endurance? Yeah, sure. There is a lot of suffering. We said that everybody suffers. Everybody suffers the loss of someone, uh, hardship, sickness, society suffers. Yeah, I mean, natural suffering that, that we have to suffer, like the storm in all of those towns that got hit and demolished, like small towns got wiped out because of hurricanes and we Californians don't get a full taste of those storms. And all over the world, we, we, we see that the suffering in war, what is happening in Ukraine, that is suffering. But not everybody is taking suffering the proper way. And I wanted to say that endurance is the ability to withstand hardship and adversity for a long time. And we... Believers, Christians, understand that. But also the non-believers understand the same thing. Why? Because if they have the ability to withstand and stay firm through the hardship and adversity, they will be stronger to tolerate more. In fact, endurance is one of the characteristics that is required for management in the America that we know, all of the corporate America, right? It's got to be because it has to lead by experience of themselves through hardship so that they can teach the rest of the team. So at that point, we are okay. But character, it's an attribute to distinguish moral excellence and firmness. And this is the place where we should be different. And I'm going to tell you the reason why. There is a problem, and that problem is called pride. It's called pride because the more problems and hardship that we run into, if we do not understand the purpose of God in hardship for my life and for your life, we have the tendency to be proud of ourselves. Because I am so powerful to face and, and come with some resolutions of the problems that we face. That's why they made me general manager. Or that's why I'm the CEO. Or that is the reason why I'm at certain level on power. Why? Because I went through hardship. And we all talk about our testimony. And I will remember this. A few times I have said it, but I remember the day when they invited me to speak in public 
after I became Christian, after God saved me. I went to church for several years, and then um, Pastor David invited me. But not Pastor David, through one of the, um, the ones in charge for kids' play, they invited me to speak in public in the middle of the game because they were five or six games through the day on Saturday, all kids play, playing basketball. My son was one of the players. And they said, Juan, you have a great testimony. Why you don't speak for five minutes in each of the games? Five times, same testimony. And I remember that I went up front. The gym was full of people. And I went like, this is making me small. And the second time, I feel more confident. And I said everything I had to say. And I started, I started feeling kind of like I'm doing good. And, you know, everybody was so quiet when I was speaking that I can imagine that if someone dropped a pin, many people in that room were f- probably going to freak out because it was going to be loud. Everybody was quiet. All I can hear at that moment was like, huh, oh, several times. So that actually was kind of like more air into my bubble. I just started feeling Kind of like, oh, this is good. Now, don't get me wrong, but that was my pride getting inflated. I was getting proud until almost the second from the last time of this speaking on that day. Uh, Pastor David and a group of uh, other um, leaders from church walked into the room and sat on the very back of the room. And I had a great relationship with, uh, with them, and we were talking about and all of that. And they were going to listen to my speech. At that moment, I was, like, really pumped up, you know. I'm not afraid of that. I'm not afraid of speaking to them or to the rest because I didn't hear anybody moving or see anybody moving kind of like, no, he's talking and he's saying all lies because that was my testimony. And at the end of my fourth speech, which it was identical, actually a little more, um, um, I, I, I think I started moving my, my arms and kind of like with the mic started walking around the room, kind of like being the center of the attention. What a foolish way to speak to many non-believers. So at the end of that, I walked toward David and the group of uh, adults, leaders from church. And I even kind of like went like, so what do you think? And I remember that because it humbles me what he said. He said, I wish I would listen more about Christ than your testimony. And I was like, he wanted to listen or hear more about Christ than hear more about me. And I said it all. I said everything I had in my testimony, but I did not give honor, neither glory to God at all. And you know what? I remember that day, and that is why I bring it in here. We have to make sure that we take suffering in the right direction because it makes us proud when we have a lot of blessings, when we accomplish things, when we get to that place where people look at you with respect. The same thing happened to the Apostle Paul. And we will read 
onto that to get to understand that the direction before we build the character can also build pride and turn into a proud person. And God does not like when we get proud because he opposes the proud and exalts the humble. Right? So, with that, we know that the attribute is to distinguish the moral excellence and firmness. So that is the kind of character that we are going to be building when we go through trials and tribulations and problems and physical pain. We also talk about hope. And that implies very little certainty. But suggest confidence and assurance that the things that we desire will happen. But you see, there is something. We desire. And that can turn also into like that second and third time I went through to pump me up and make me proud. We do not let that happen in our lives. Because we get deviated for the purpose of God in our pain, in our suffering. Because then we believe that we have the power to overcome every problem. And we forget about giving honor and glory to the God that actually will evil and use Satan to shape us, to form us, to give us the character that we needed to have as Christians. So that when we go out there, they see the character, but not my character. The character of Christ. When he went suffering for our, took our place in the cross. And suffered physically. All, he bare all of our sins. But yeah, that's a beautiful story. But what about the human experience? That is why we have another Bible verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 that we're going to be reading, and then we're going to come back to Romans. Hmm. I have a couple things that I add on, and I wanted to say the wrong way. I talk about how we are supposed to be as Christians. But this is two examples of the wrong approach to suffering. One of them, it's called, and I hope I pronounce it correctly, because I didn't actually have the time to hear it pronounced and, 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 and on, on Google or whatever that uh, thing is. Epicureanism. Maybe some of you guys know. I never heard this word. And on that, life is a mixture. It, that's a physical, uh, I mean, a, a philosopher, a Greek philosopher, Epicurus. That was his last name. And he said and teaches that life is a mixture of good and bad things, right? It's a mixture. That is the experiences that you go. And we are to live both of them. But we need to consciously try to live in pleasure more than live in pain. So we have to load our lives with pleasure. Like, go out there and fill your life with more pleasure. I go like, yeah, our society is full of that. After a year having that TV in my room, I wanted a bigger one. Oh, 
That one is uh, 1080 or something like that. Now I want a 4K. That is pleasure or a better sound or a better car or more luxury clothing and all that. That's what he teaches. And you know what? They go through suffering. And more suffering will come because they're not full of God. The grace of God will not feel that heart. The second wrong way is called stoicism. That's another philosopher teaching the attitude of man to take whatever life brings into your life. And at the end of the life, spirit it. So live life. Bad things come. Good things come. And actually, this is the beginning of self-help teachings. There is a lot of books about it. Oh, my mind has the power. So if I think and I concentrate in all of those things, they are going to happen. Who am I giving the honor and glory? My mind. So I'm taking God out of the picture. How sad. And you know, our society is full of that too. Of course, that is not a Christian approach to suffering. And um, I'll go back because there is two times on this Bible verse in Romans that it's important to understand. Second portion of verse 3, it says, For we know that they help to develop endurance. We know. Knowledge is important. We know. Do we? My prayer is that what we're going through today, um, start a fire to get to know more. And to get to understand more about the suffering we go through and others go through. Second part, that it's no, the same word no. For we know they help develop endurance. But we also go to verse 5 and it says, And the hope will not lead us to disappointment. For we know, again for we know. How dearly God loves us. We know. Agnostics, unbelievers, do they know? They refuse that because it's hard. So knowing, it's important. Now we're going to have um, a very special chapter, a verse that Jesus Christ talked to his followers and talks to his body, which is us, all of the saints, all of our Christians, and that it's in John 16, in the second part of John 16, 33. Here on earth, you will have many trials, not one or two, many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. So he anticipates that we're going to suffer. So we need to get ready to suffer. Suffer because we know the purpose of God. So we're going to get into this. The second passage is on the screen. It's on the Second Corinthians 12, chapter 7 to 10. 
And I believe on the screen you have only until 9, but I'm going to read it uh, on 10. And he reads from 7. Even though this is a, the Apostle Paul, after he was suffering, he loved the church of Corinth. But they, it, it was a lot of preachers and people that loved him that turned around and, and turned, his, turned their back on him. And they started talking bad things about him. They questioned his beliefs. They questioned his ministry. They questioned everything because they wanted to destroy his capacity to preach the gospel. And for that, they turned against him. So he had to defend himself, but he refused to actually boast on things that happened to him. On the, on the same chapter 12, from the beginning, he had a vision of heaven, and he actually did not boast about it. He's, he, when he was talking about going to heaven and, and going to paradise, he was talking about someone on the third person. I know someone that went to heaven, and I know someone that went to paradise. For that person, I can boast. But then after that, he actually said that he refused to boast, and we're going to get into the reasoning why he refused to boast on, on that vision of heaven and paradise. So we're going to see this from uh, chapter 7. Even though I have received such a wonderful revelation from God, this is telling us that he received the revelation of heaven and the revelation of the paradise. And now he's talking about himself because he couldn't avoid that. But check this out. To keep me from becoming proud. Are we talking about pride? This is what I am talking about. The Apostle Paul, with all of the suffering he went through, his diseases, physical diseases, he recognizes that to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh. So he was suffering on the flesh. And he specified that the thorn was a messenger from Satan. False teachers. But through the false teachers that were accusing him, behind that was the power of Satan. It was a satanic attack against him. But it was permitted by God. And we'll see, we're going to see the reasoning why God permitted that to happen to the Apostle Paul. A messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Verse 8. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Nine. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now, says the Apostle Paul, I am glad to boast about my weakness. He's not boasting about this, those visions. He's boasting about the weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. In verse 10, 
That is why I take pleasure in my weakness and in the insults, hardship, persecution, and trouble that I suffer for Christ. This is beautiful. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And you know, I was uh, sharing with um, a few of the brothers right here that when Pastor Ed invited me to be partaker of the pulpit right here and speak the word, um, it was humbling. It was very humbling. And, and he made me feel incapable, unqualified. Sadly, I just started feeling like quitting. I said, it's better to say no instead of be ridiculized, you know. And all of a sudden, I can say things the wrong way because of my accent or because of my, the lack of knowledge. But, you know, God used fishermen. He called not the most prominent theologians. He called to his 12 apostles the weakest of all. The ones that he started teaching from the ground up. And it was an encouragement. And when I was looking for this particular thing, you know, then I came across, for when I am weak, I am strong. And I, it, it opened my eye and, and I went like, okay, Lord, so I am strong because I am, I am weak. I feel weak. But you make me strong. And where you needed to take me, here I am. Use me in any capacity. And if this is the capacity that he wanted to use me, yeah, I am shaking. But God has a purpose for that, even through suffering. So we're going to open up this portion and apply it to Romans. I have four points, and I hope we um, can accomplish this through the rest of the day before the rain comes. Point number one, God uses suffering to humble. And if we go to the first, he said, to keep me from becoming proud. That's on verse 7. So God uses suffering to humble. And Paul Recognize that to keep him from becoming proud, it was given to him a thorn, a thorn of suffering. It's not an uncomfortable feeling. It was hardship physically to keep him humble. First Peter 5, in the second part of 5, in um, verse 6 as well, says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And listen to verse 6. So humble yourself under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. And why not go into, like, verse 7. Give all of your worries and cares to God. For he cares about you. About me. 
So if he cares about me, all of those worries should be brought to him. How? The way I spoke to those four groups of people before I actually got slapped on the face with what he told me, I wish I, I would hear more about Jesus. Now I feel my lips and saying all, I, as much as I can about our Savior. Because that is what it makes me humble. Understand that my suffering has a purpose in my life. Matthew 23, 12. It's another example. Very similar. But those who exalt themselves will be humble. Oh, Lord. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. So God uses suffering to humble us. He takes the responsibility of willing suffering so that he humbles us. He wants us to be humble. The reason of being humble comes a little further down on the, on the reading of that passage. But we're going to go into the second point. So he wants us to be humble. He works with suffering. He uses suffering for, to humble us. And the number two is God used suffering to draw us near to himself. The reasoning on that is because every time that I have no problems, things are going perfectly fine, I started saving a little extra, and um, I get all of the benefits, and I am perfectly fine. I go like, oh, I'm going on vacations. Oh, but it's a Sunday. You should go to church. I take a few days off, and I go out. And I forget about the purpose of God on that. And I started to deviate. And instead of being close to God, when things are right, I go sideways. And I go and forget about God. Oh, but when things were wrong, and I go to sickness or through some pain or maybe something bad is happening, then I go to my knees and pray to God. And immediately the first thing come to my mind is God. God, why? Nothing wrong with asking why. It's not that God is going to come to tell me the reasoning and say, Knucklehead, I want you humble and I want you near. And then he has me right there. So he uses suffering to draw us near. We're going to go back to read verse 8 in 2 Corinthians. This is the Apostle Paul saying, Three times I begged the Lord to take it away. The thorn, the satanic attack on the flesh. Three times. And what was the answer? Each time he said, my grace, it's all you need. Grace, grace, grace. Christ is being called full of grace. God is in the throne of grace. By grace, we've been saved. 
So grace under us, in front of us, next to us, on top of us. Grace is everything we get and we have is by grace, by the grace of God. And it's a beautiful word that we can actually spend like weeks and weeks and weeks talking about grace because it's beautiful. We get into it, we might not get out of that. And that understanding of grace. But we leave it there because now we know that is my grace, it's all you need. That's enough. Surpassing grace. We will never run short of, short of grace when we run into problems. The storm is coming. But the grace of God, it's already here. And it's being given to us. The third point is that God display his grace in suffering. The displays of grace in suffering, we read in John 9, 1, 3. It was not because, oh, remember, that when they were walking, they saw a blind person from, from birth. Never, but it doesn't say specifically he was 30 years old, 20 years or 19 years old. It was just a beggar on the street that was blind. And, uh, you know, his followers actually ask him, Lord, who sinned? His fathers or himself so that he is blind? What was the response of Christ? John 9, 1, 3. It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins. Jesus answered. This happened so that the power and grace of God could be seen in him. So he is spit on the ground, made mud, rubbed on his eyes, and sent him to wash his eyes. And what happened? A miracle. The grace of God was seen by people. So it is important to understand also that he used suffering to displace his grace. Going into the fourth, he uses suffering so that his power is perfect not that the power of Christ is not perfect no the power of Christ gets perfect through the person that is receiving it his power is perfect the person suffers and that when we go out the power of Christ in us is perfected in our weakness. So let's just make sure that we do not get it wrong. Because I, I, I went back and forth and I, th- and I thought, okay, if this is something where people can come to me and say, are you saying that the power of Christ is not perfect until you suffer? So is he really kind of like trying and testing and see, oh, I'm going to see if it works or not? No, his power is perfect. God is all-knowing. His will, it's perfect. He never fails. But his power gets perfect in our weakness through us. So when we go out and we suffer, other people will see our suffering, our testimony, and our humbleness, our submission to Christ 
into His power. So that power, the Holy Spirit will be actually giving the message to those listeners and to those that you walk around. So that that is the power of Christ in you. Isaiah 40, 29. He gives power to the weak and and strengthened to the powerless. Strength the powerless. So I am, when I am weak, I am strong. Those are the words of the Apostle Paul. And I want to read also the second part of um, verse 9 and 10. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad. Now he is glad to boast my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. Verse 10, that is why I take pleasure in my weakness and in the insults. So, what a way to receive suffering, hardship, persecution, troubles. And I suffer for Christ, he said. That statement is just amazing. For when I am weak, then I am strong. But I want to also read 1 Peter 4, verse 1 and 2, which is also an invitation, something for us to consider. This is what 1 Peter 4, 1 and 2 say. Since Christ suffered physically pain, physical pain, you must arm yourself with the same attitude he had. Really? What was his attitude? Humbleness. Submission. Obedience. And we can go on and on and on. Are we to be imitators of Christ? This is what it means to take your cross and follow me. This is what it's called to take suffering for Christ seriously as a Christian. Because we are supposed to behave different. And this is what makes us different. And be ready to suffer too. For if we, if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. Wow. We have finished with sin, but we have to suffer with the same attitude as Christ did. Verse 2. You want to spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires. (laughs) We go back to that state where we were like selfish, proud, unregenerated. I mean... What else can we say? We are not supposed to spend the rest of our lives chasing our own desires. But you will be anxious to do the will of God. But suffering is a big part of our sanctification. Who takes the glory on all of this? Who takes the glory in our suffering? We? God takes the glory. We suffer for the glory of God. 
to honor and glory the God that made us, that made us alive through Jesus, that in the cross he put his son in our place. He allowed his son and sent his son in our place. Thank you for joining us and listening to this message from the Ministry of Grace Providence Church in Cerritos, California. For more information, visit our website at www.graceprovidencechurch.org.